Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Scott Royal Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate-related business, law, tax, you name it, we do it here at Royal Legal. Um, I got a good friend of mine here today. Um, John is phenomenal. Um, we've done a lot of work together uh, and talking a lot into it. He's a really great guy. You guys are going to love uh, hanging out with him uh, here today and hearing about his best deal. Um, John, I know you got a ton going on and you're doing fundraising for these big deals and you guys are out there still grabbing uh, great deals on the market, even though it's, it's really tight right now. Um, can you give us a little bit of background about what it is we need to know about you and where you're at in life whenever you're getting into this best deal? And Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we are apartment syndicators. We partner with other investors. We pull our resources together to buy larger apartment buildings. Uh, I started off house hacking. So I started off with duplex, lived in one unit, rented out the others. And as I started growing my personal portfolio, we actually ran out of our own money. And as we talked to other people, we realized that there were people who were interested in investing and partner, partnering with us. Uh, but we didn't really feel comfortable at that time bringing on investors. So we actually went and educated ourselves a little bit more, got more comfortable, and then started building partnerships and relationships. And then from that point, we started to scale into larger assets. So right now, we are general partners in around 700 units or so. And, uh, you know, really loving it, continuing to grow, looking for great deals that give us flexibility into the future. And we love to help educate other folks along that path. Oh, that's awesome, John. So who, who are you guys, you know, typically looking at? Is there a particular demographic of people that you say, hey, these are typically who we find really like enjoys working with us as people that are kind of like this scenario in life or finances? Yeah, I think there are a couple different groups, right? So one, you have your super high net worth individuals, I shouldn't say super, but high net worth individuals, people who are credit investors who own a business, doctors, engineers, lawyers, people who make great money, uh, but they're also paying a lot in taxes and they don't have the flexibility right now to invest in real estate and manage it themselves. And they're looking for partnerships or they're looking for deals to get into and take advantage of all the benefits without necessarily all of the hassles that come with that. So there are other options are like a REIT, but sometimes you don't get all the tax benefits and other things when investing in a REIT. So investing in deals like this, they still get to take advantage of the tax benefits as well as all the benefits of owning real estate without the headaches of having to deal with the tenants and toilets and trash and all that stuff themselves. So that's one group. The second group that we get often are people who are, you know, hardworking individuals, kind of middle class, middle income, who are looking to scale. And maybe they're looking to take a little bit of money and diversify into real estate, um, or they're interested in learning more about going from a few small properties and scaling into some larger things, because maybe one day they would like to do the same thing and bring other investors into their deals. So it's a great way for them to learn, gain some experience as a limited partner, and just kind of test the waters a little bit without necessarily having to take on all of that risk themselves. So we typically run into those two groups are kind of our, our main tiers as far as our partners. Awesome, John. Um, so when you're getting into to this best deals, you want to give us like a 10,000 foot up of like what this deal looks like that made it attractive for you to even start looking at in the first place? Yeah, so this was an early deal for us. And this was a three unit deal um, in Chicago. And this was around 2014. 
And, um, you know, the deal that we liked was we were looking at two to four units. We were kind of sticking in that wheelhouse at that time. And this was an off-market deal. So we loved that. It was our first off-market deal. And we got it through a broker relationship. And uh, the numbers worked out well. And the thing that I love is, in effect, it was really turnkey for us. And we were still able to create a ton of value without having to do a whole lot of construction. Very, very cool, man. So you said it was like a deal that was early on for you guys. You know, what do you contribute to the success of making, you know, that deal work for you? I think, you know, really going through the due diligence and getting tight on what we wanted. You know, um, at that time, we were expecting our first child. And my wife looked at me and said, look, we are not doing a whole bunch of construction. So we need something that is going to cash flow day one. And it can't be a burden where you have to go over there and inspect it all the time. So it needs to be something that's going to cash flow day one. So I think really understanding our lifestyle and what we were trying to do from a lifestyle perspective made that deal work. So we wanted to make sure um, that because we were buying something that was quote unquote turnkey or moving ready, where it didn't need a lot of repair, there needed to be some other value add component, right? So for me, that was based on the location. We bought in an area that I did a ton of research on, and I knew that this area was poised to be um, one of the ne next hotbeds in the city of Chicago. So from that, we made sure we were looking in those tight windows, looking in those areas where we knew that there was going to be some development, there was going to be growth, there was going to be stronger rental demand, and we could expect natural uh, appreciation through the demand that was coming from the economic factors. Very cool. So you're looking for, for, for cash flow, looking for a great location, uh, low burden on your time, um, all into to that. Did, um, I, I think that's like probably everybody, you know, you could probably put that for <laughs> right. every single investment I go into. When I'm going into it, I'm like, oh, this is obviously going to be a great financial deal. There's no <laughs> problems with it. It's turnkey and I got it in the best location. You know, um, is there anything that you identify in, in that deal that you would say, like, this is how we actually got it, you know, set up for that? Like, hey, I knew that this was the, the buying criteria or that I had like a mentor that I was working with that says, you know, this is how I knew that this is an early deal for me. But, you know, how would I know that I'm going in the right direction? Because every, you know, the best deals and the worst deals we come across, right? They every, Everybody thinks they're a great deal when you start. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. how you sign that contract, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do we know... Um, or do you have any, you know, maybe reflection for us or insight into um, how, how that works when you can tell that it's like, a, okay, I'm actually on the right track here with this excitement versus being excited and maybe in the wrong direction, you know? And yeah, so yeah. I think there are a couple of things. So one, we spent a lot of time educating ourselves on things. You know, we are, had done some other deals before and that deal went great. So I think, first of all, it's just starting to build off the momentum, right? Having some early success, building on that momentum, and then taking the moment to learn why what you did was successful. So for us, the biggest piece and the biggest takeaway was we were really, really clear on what we wanted. We knew we wanted to be in a certain neighborhood or a certain type of neighborhood. We knew that it needed to be a turnkey property that did not need a bunch of renovations. And we knew we needed something where there was a value add component where even in present condition, we could increase rents, not to mention that we knew that the area was going to be growing. So I think just having that clarity helped a lot. And that clarity, because we were working with a broker, uh, we had an agent, she was walking around showing us properties. And essentially, she had another client who was looking to sell that asset to scale into larger assets in the suburbs. And after she and I walked through a few properties, she just kind of stopped and said, you know what, I have another client who's looking to sell. I'm supposed to list the next week. 
but I think it's exactly what you want. Why don't you come take a look at it? If you're interested, you can write up an offer. I'll talk to him about it. And because I'm a dual agent, I have to kind of step out and let you guys talk. But if it fits, if it is what you think, then let's move forward. And it was, we went, we looked at it. He had just renovated it three years earlier. So he had managed it for three years. It's not like we were buying the flip and we were knocking on wood, hoping it was done. He had managed it three years himself. Um, everything was looking smooth. The rooms were really big size, which again, in a market like Chicago, bedroom size is going to be key, right? Those renters are coming in. They're looking at their bedroom. They want to know how much space do they have? And there were bigger rooms than I'd ever seen in that area. So I knew that that would be very attractive. Uh, but I felt like he made a couple of poor decisions when it came to paint schemes and different things like that, that don't cost a whole lot to fix. So that really made it easy for us to say, Hey, look, you're right. This is the deal that we're looking for you know, we put in an offer that we felt was fair and strong. And after a little bit of negotiating back and forth, we were able to get that thing under contract. What does that look like when you, you know, you get into the deal and you buy it, right? Uh, there's uh, two components that typically I would look at and something like that that's turnkey is somebody managing it for a while and saying like, how do they fudge the books? You know, like how, how are they doing? How, how, what are they looking at that? This is a way that they're going to screw me on this thing, you know, <laughs> uh, with the numbers, right? What are the key pieces that you're looking at when you're reviewing those numbers to say like, okay, these actually look right. And these are numbers I can probably trust. Yeah. You want to tell the story. So one great thing for me and my, my wife's my partner in our investing and she's a licensed CPA. Um, and she's worked for a public accounting firm and she's basically done internal audit. So she knows how to look at your books and your record keeping and identify whether or not something's not making sense. So, you know, I lean on her. I mean, I can do it too, but I really lean on her expertise there. But there are a few things that we look for. First of all, rent, right? If you have leases where you should be making, let's call it $1,000 per unit a month, you want to see that money coming in. If there's a large difference and you're not seeing that, you want to understand what's happening. Why is, is it just vacancy or tenants not paying? Is it bad debt? What's really happening with the- Are, are you talking about looking at even at their like P&L statements and their yes, even bank yes. records for like, hey, yes. I want to see the checks that are deposited here. I'm not going yes. to look at just the, the QuickBooks. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take Schedule E. I mean, a lot of times if there's a Schedule E um, or whatever, you know, what's reported to the government, that's what I try to look at. And if that's, if there's something off or different, that becomes the first red flag. And it's not a deal killer. You just need to understand why. If, and in that deal in particular, there was some money that wasn't being reported. So we had to understand, are you actually receiving this money or not? Because your Schedule E doesn't reflect this. So that's where you have to dig a little bit deeper and understand, okay, do you have the lease? Do you have the tenants? And then you, if you have that, show me the, the, uh, the deposits. Show me the bank deposits that this individual is actually paying the rent. So if you see that, you can verify they're actually getting the money that they said they're getting. And then when you start to transition and look over on the expense side of it, you can validate a lot of that. One, what you're looking for, again, I'm looking to see any abnormalities, right? Um, is something off? Is the electric bill super high? Is the water bill really high? Um, Anything that just jumps out to you, you want to understand what's happening. And then as you look at the income statement or the P&L, the month by month by month statement, you want to look and see, are there months where the water bill is spiked up? And if so, you want to know what happened. Was there a water, was there a pipe bur that burst? Was there a water main leak? Like what happened, right? You want to understand what's happening because that will be an indicator of potential uh, maintenance issues or potential deferred maintenance or anything like that, um, roof damage. When, when you're looking around, you can start to you know, match what you saw with your eyes 
with what you see on these income statements and just really understand the true story of that property. Yeah. So help, help, help us uh, walk through the story of how do you think through this, like in a sequential piece. So, so maybe the first things that we're looking at is saying like, show me all the financials, right? Like what actually happened with the financials it says, well, hey, this is weird on like what we're having to do spends for here. And is that really like the first step of your investigation, so to speak into this is saying like, I'm gonna look at the financials, look at things that look off here and then ask all my follow-up questions for there to figure out like what's going on, like from the, any backup story that they have about that? Yeah, I would start before that, right? I start with my first impression when I'm walking the property, right? So, I mean, I, I pretty much will know the neighborhood or what the rents are or should be. Um, so, if the, if what I see don't doesn't match that, then I'm starting the investigation process there. But if I walk in and it's a thousand dollar a month unit, and that's what it's renting for, and I walk around and the finishes look what I would expect for a thousand dollars a month, then I don't necessarily need to investigate crazy there right um, but I take that great checks out I'm going to make sure all the numbers check out but as long as that's the case good if there's something that concerns me let's say there's a unit that should be a thousand dollars and it's only renting for 800 okay well why I want to ask that question oh well this woman's been here for 15 years and we've never increased the rent okay then they should be able to show me the lease or is there something else going on right or is there some deferred maintenance in that unit that hasn't been addressed because a lot of times someone's been there that long the the other side of that is they're probably not investing much into that unit. So it hasn't been updated. It hasn't been fixed up. So you're still going to have some maintenance items that you need to address. Um, so I'm looking for those kind of things to understand what's really happening at the property. How frequently are they addressing deferred maintenance? Um, those kind of things. So I can understand what is it going to cost me to own and operate. Ultimately, that's what you really want to understand. I really don't care how much money, how much his expenses are for him. What I care about is what can I expect? And is it going to be similar to what he, what that person uh, was seeing, or is it going to be less or is it going to be more? And that's what I'm really trying to get a gauge of is, Hey, can I expect to save money on this? Or is this going to actually go increase? Think about taxes. Um, you know, a lot of times you get those pro formas um, and they don't, they don't calculate that taxes are probably going to increase after you purchase the, the asset. So that's one of those things where you can't just go out the pro forma. You have to look at it and go line by line and understand what your costs are going to be. So that's really what the process we're going through is understanding what's happening at the property, what's the story, and then what can I expect my expenses to be. Cool. It, when do you, when you're going through those like types of investigations, like what are the deal breakers you run into? Like, Hey, if somebody says, um, you know, I'll show you, I'll show you this, but I don't, I'm not going to show you this piece You say, okay, well, without that, I ain't doing it. Like, I'm not going to show you the tax returns or the schedule E or whatever it might be. Maybe that's one of them, but do you have like a, a general list of saying like, Hey, these are my no flags. I'm a no fly zone whenever you're going into something. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would be extremely hesitant to do a deal where I could not verify the income statement. Um, so if they weren't willing to provide a Schedule E or bank statements or something that verify the income and expenses, I would probably walk, that would definitely be in my no-fly zone because I, I would be guessing, right? And they could write whatever they want to write on an Excel document and send it to me. Um, ultimately I need to see some verification that the income is the income, the expenses are the expenses. So that would definitely be one. Um, I've also had things where maybe they don't want to necessarily, um, give you the utilities or something like that. They don't, you don't have to get that from them. If you're under contract, you can call those utility companies directly and show them your contract and say, Hey, 
I want to know what the, you know, the electric costs are, and they will give that to you. So a lot of times there's stuff that you can verify whether the owner wants to give it to you or not. The income statement is probably the one thing you absolutely need from them. Um, the leases you'll get, the um, all of that, that documentation you can get. Uh, but I would say if they're, if they're hesitant on sharing the Schedule E um, or verif verifying the income and expenses, I would definitely, uh, that would be a red flag and I'd probably walk away. Cool. So I know for a lot of deals that you guys are working on, you're doing like larger money raises for bigger um, buys. And what are the things that you guys disclose to the people that, um, and show them for the people that are investing with you guys that say maybe other providers don't show um, that you would say like, here's the things you guys that we provide you that you really need to be looking at that if you're not getting that from whoever else you're investing in, that you're really not as secure as you think you are in the investment. Yeah, I think the first thing is transparency, right, of the deal, the operation. So one thing is a lot of times operators, they will um, they'll share, you know, top line of the deal. Um, but, you know, maybe the inspection report or different things like that um, aren't shared. Now, we don't necessarily share everything because it can be overwhelming for people. But if someone wants to see that, they can reach out and we'll happily, you know, share that information with them. Um, I would also say, too, we also share what we are concerned about in the deal. And I very rarely hear other operators talk about what concerns them on a deal and how they're mitigating that. But I do, I like to point those things out because it also gives me an opportunity to demonstrate how we're mitigating the risk and how we're staying on top of those things. For instance, we, um, you know, we, we are buying in, we're right now we're in the middle of buying an older asset. And one of the things that is challenging with an older asset is you typically have more maintenance costs and more, you know, it's just an older building. So you can imagine that things are going to break in that building a little bit more frequently. So our expenses are higher. We have, uh, we're projecting higher expenses. The other thing with that is we're looking to do a cost segregation analysis. And because it is an older building, when we do that cost segregation analysis, we anticipate that the replacement costs are going to be higher. So we'll get even more in bonus depreciation. So for some of those higher net worth individuals who are looking to invest, that's a big plus because they can get in on a deal and actually pay less in taxes based on that. So we just try to really lay out our thinking, our logic on the deal. Here's why we're doing this deal. Here's what we like about the deal. Here's the risk. Here are the things that are concerning us. And here's how we plan to mitigate those risks. So we try to just, you know, paint a full picture so someone can make a clear understanding and make a clear decision on whether or not they want to invest. The other thing that we've done more recently is we've had people who said, hey, love to still be passive, but I'd love to learn more about what the heck's actually going on. Uh, because again, a lot of times when you're passive, you kind of get an email with an update and that's it. So what we're starting to do now is invite those individuals who truly want to learn more about the inner workings of the operations, an opportunity to hop on a webinar and talk a little bit more about what's happening at the asset, going just a little bit further in depth with the updates as opposed to, hey, we're 95% occupied and you know, here's your, here's your check. So just giving a little bit more detail as far as what's happening and some, why we're making the decisions we're making so they understand it and they can learn throughout that process. Cool. Have you, you found like doing the live webinars with people is, is one of the best ways for them to do that, like a live call and everybody has, like, types in the chat box or something like that if they have questions about what's going on. So we have piece or how does that work? Yeah, we haven't done one yet for um, updates. We've done it for the introduction of a deal um, many times. We, that's a standard process for us. But we're actually getting ready to implement that on the next deal that we do because we've had a lot of people who have said, hey, I'd love to learn more about, you know, what's happening. Like you told me you renovated five units this month. 
but I'd love to learn more. So we, you know, we don't want to get so far in the weeds that it becomes a time suck. But, you know, I do think that there are steps in the process that people can learn and we can share those key learnings on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis. So we really think it'll be more key updates from, a, from an education standpoint for, for the investors, um, as well as other people who want to invest as operators who are looking to start out and maybe they don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to go hire a mentor or 50K or 100K to go invest in the deal but they'd still like to learn a little bit more about the process. So that's something that we're starting to pull together and give people a chance to come in and learn a little bit more about how some of these deals work and behind the scenes. Very cool, man. Well, one thing I like to do with the, um, to wrap up every episode is kind of do like a lesson learned um, from it to say like, what's the takeaway. Um, so if you wanted to leave like the audience members to say, Hey, here's a key, key takeaway of, of a lesson learned from today's episode, what would that be? I think just get really clear on your goals and what you want, you know, not necessarily just financials, but think about the lifestyle. So when you're investing and you're looking at a deal or an opportunity, ask yourself, how is this going to help the lifestyle I'm trying to live, the lifestyle I'm trying to create? And keep that in mind. Don't get so enamored with uh, the numbers because sometimes those numbers, um, you know, they look great on paper but they're not great in reality for, you know, different factors. So just make sure, you know, as you look at it, get really tight on what you want and make sure that, you know, as you're doing these deals, you're doing deals that help you build the lifestyle that you're shooting for. Awesome, man. Have you ever noticed um, when you're like, say, and I swear that I'm going to link this back to what we're talking about, um, that have you ever noticed, like, if you're like going to like shop for like a particular car, you know, like, hey, I want this Lexus or, or whatever that might be, that all of a sudden, like, you start to see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. like right like you have the clarity of Absolutely. like this is exactly Absolutely. what it is have yeah. you ever wondered like why that happens i have i yeah. have um well i heard this the other day and i don't know if it's true at all and it's probably a lie so but what it could be is that there's um, a part of your brain called the reticular activator mm-hmm. um that whenever you can get clarity or whenever you tell it you tell this part of your brain like this is what i'm looking for right now then it starts to see it everywhere right? And that's why we see the cars. So uh, there's somebody that was suggesting to me the other day that says the more clear you can get on your want isn't like this hocus pocus, like you dream it, you believe it, you achieve it. It's just you've told your brain to look for it. And it's going to find it somewhere because it's finding the patterns that relate to that. And so they're like, well, just like finding a car, maybe this is the way that we find deals. The clear that we can get on here is the kind of deal that I'm looking for. And this is what I want to look like, or here's the kind of people that I want to meet. And then your brain starts to just, just find it just like it does the car. It's just totally passively without you really even having to try. All you have to do is tell yourself, this is exactly what I want. And then it'll do all the work for you and it'll just appear. And that's like the magic appearance of stuff uh, in our lives that are like that. That actually, you know, is why it seems magical, but we kind of already know that that happens from other stuff. So why wouldn't with cars? So why wouldn't it happen with other things in our lives? You know? So I don't know for whatever that's worth to, to piggyback um, what you were, you were going on uh, with, uh, with your takeaway. Um, no, I but- love it. I, I love it. And it's you're spot on too, um, in so many regards, because I actually never planned on uh, syndicating apartments. All I wanted to do starting out was I was running out of my own money. And I just wanted to figure out how to raise money for my own deals. That's all I was looking for. And I came across a guy who was raising money for large deals into your point. It's, it's like the, the saying, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And it was the same kind of thing where I, I had no idea I was looking for a mentor or someone to help me. And at that moment, this person appeared and I was like, oh, 
I think this is what I was looking for. <laughs> this is the help I needed to kind of take that next step. So to your point, you know, you kind of have to also be open-minded because that opportunity may be right in front of you. You may be listening to it right now, uh, but you have to be open-minded and take a little bit of action. I think that's the big key though. It's one thing to have your criteria tight and know exactly what it is you're looking for. But at some point you still have to take action. Once you see that opportunity, you have to take action. You have to make that phone call. You have to write that offer. You have to ask for a partnership. You have to take that next step to make something really happen. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, I think your brain, the best your brain can do is probably give you awareness, right? Like can give you awareness that, Hey, this something exists or this opportunity might exist. And then usually when that happens, what I see is that, um, successful people, what they'll do is they'll see the opportunity and then they take action on it. And what people that ha can't get the ball rolling, what they do is they see the opportunity. And then what they do is that immediately say why it won't work. Mm. Right. Instead of trying to ask the question, how can I make this work? Right. Um, into it. And that becomes a really different analysis when you ask yourself, like, how can I make this work to get what I want um, into it? And that's how you get yourself off of the starting block and actually doing something. Right. Yep. So, so, so if there's people out here that's listening and saying, Hey, you know, like I, I want to get, you know, investment in the, in the deals here and I want to work with John and I, but I don't really know exactly, um, you know, how to make that happen. Um, then that's, that's your, that's your piece of work here. You're, you've already identified it says, man, this guy sounds good. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. This is the opportunity for you. And now you get to ask yourself the question of saying like, how can I actually take action on this? How can I make some, make myself, what do I need to do to make myself feel comfortable with, to be able to take that next step and getting clarity on those pieces and, and identify what your fears are and what the other underlying pieces are that are keeping you from being able to do the act stuff that you need, um, to know how to do. And if you have any questions on that or how to think through that as investors, I help people work with investments all the time with that. So contact, contact me through the chat box on the Royal Legal Solutions webpage or through our Facebook pages. And um, I love to mentor people on how do you get those next steps and connect them with great people like John here um, into that. And I don't have any financial relationship with John. I just think he's a great guy. So, um, and, and does great work. Like you guys have heard here today. I mean, who else dives into this much detail about how to do the due <laughs> diligence, right? So um, takeaway lesson for, for me here guys today is, um, and there's, is knowing what your criteria is for the pieces that you're going to say, I'm, I'm going to walk away from, from this type of deal, you know, and knowing that before you get into the deal. And the reason I think that that's so important from, from what John outlined here today is because that keeps your excitement in check of being so excited that you get into it and then you can't get out because you're too excited about it, right? Then you're acting from this like really emotional place. But if you know what your criteria is to get out of the deal or saying, I'm just not gonna do this, um, then, um, then, then knowing that ahead of time is how you prevent yourself from doing that. And one of the cool ways to do it is having like a checklist that's already written out. Now, what you might find is that as you go through your checklist, you're saying, well, that's, it's somewhere in between, you know, like it's not totally in my no-fly zone and it's not totally on my good part. And what do I do with that? Fine, that's your judgment call, right? And that's for you to learn as part of your experience of being an investor. But the important piece is that you had an awareness of it and that you at least considered that factor when you were making the decision. And then however the deal turns out, that now becomes a learning point. And you can't just say like, I didn't even think of it at all because then you didn't really learn much. So take the time to be able to have your checklist, know what your criteria is before you're getting into these deals. And at the very least have awareness of what you're doing with the decisions. I guarantee if you do that, you're going to be successful long-term because you're going to learn so much faster than other people. Uh, time and time again, that's how the best performers I've seen um, on this show and in my life working with, you know, 
thousands and thousands of investors all across the country. Um, that that's the way they operate. And that's how it sounds like John operates here on a commercial scale too. So John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for anybody that wants to reach out to you and contact you, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, a couple ways. So you can email me john at kasmancapital.com. If you'd like to meet in person, we are hosting the second annual Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, June 1st and 2nd. We'd love to meet you in person. Come out. Uh, we have a great group of speakers. It's a no pitch event, no BS, whether you're in multifamily, flipping houses, wholesaling, it's a great event, two days in Chicago. You can check that out at midwestresummit.com. And then um, you go to my website as well, kasmancapital.com. Uh, and then, you know, I, I've got an episode with Scott coming out here uh, on the on the podcast, Target Market Insights. You can check that out as well. Awesome. Thanks, John. And thank you guys. Of course, this is the Real Estate Nerds Show. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything uh, real estate related, tax business, you name it, we do it. Uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you guys here next week. Connect with us on uh, Facebook and uh, as well as uh, through the website. We also have a free LLC promotion that we're doing, guys, for everybody that comes in. Uh, we It's just royallegalsolutions.com slash free LLC. These are truly free companies. I'm on a mission to get every single person in the United States protected. Um, so if you haven't set up your first LLC yet uh, to be able to protect your personal assets, it's the only way to ensure that you can't get screwed by just random events in life is by just taking that one simple action. Um, I had friends that lost over $3 million that were very well insured from a single lawsuit. And if they just would have established just this free LLC, just like you guys have an opportunity here today, they would have been walking away smiling without having to pay a penny. So it's very, very powerful, guys. We're going to set it up for you. It's not going to cost you. Um, it's going to be no fee. So uh, thank you, guys. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. That's all for this Best Deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.